Hello and welcome to another installment of Tent Talk. I'm Noah. How you doing today, Jock? Doing great, Noah. How you doing, brother? Doing fantastic. Uh, so tell me, man, what are we doing today? Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Noah's power outage. Um, talk about my ripening process and just some more grower tips as per usual. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, thing. so let's start it off. Uh, what happened with your power outage, Noah? We all saw on the stories uh, you guys lost power for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Michigan had a little uh, ice storm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the southern part of Michigan I live in south Michigan for those that don't know and uh ice storm it really it got like 150,000 people uh didn't have power a lot of outages yeah Um, I was included in that um luckily I'm close to a school so I knew not like right next to a school you know um but I'm close to a school um and you know they're gonna try to turn on schools first so we were lucky in that but it was, uh, what was it, 72 hours without power. Um, so uh, three days or so. Um, pretty rough. Uh, we weren't, I'm going to be honest with everybody, we have fish tanks. Uh, me and my partner have fish tanks. So we were a lot more concerned with if the fish were going to survive than we were about the plants. I knew the plants would be okay. Uh, it was more about keeping them efficient for what I wanted because I'm taking clones this week. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like they got to stay healthy, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. So how did you keep the plants healthy during the power outage? So this is where the viewers actually came in really big time. Shout out to all the viewers, giving me a lot of tips throughout this. I've never dealt with a power outage. Um, you know, we're giving our plants artificial light when that sun turns off <laughs> because it's not in our control. What do we do? Mm-hmm. I can't put it outside. It's super cold outside. Right. So Um, At first, a lot of people told me, hey, you know, just leave it uh, for, you know, you can leave it for an extra day. Give it that 12 hours. It's not going to affect it. Maybe they're going to flower, go into a flower a little bit, but it's not going to affect them. It's not going to stress them out. All right. It's just one less day. Right. Um, And I was like, that seems realistic. I'll just take, you know, normally with growing, it's you take one step back, take two steps forward. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would just take another three extra days on my cloning. Um, Then. The next day, lights didn't turn on, so power was still out. So, uh, I bean popping actually told me he's like, he's like, hey, you know, maybe like a flashlight or something. And I had a conversation with him. He's like, just move them upstairs. So, got all my plants, every single one of them, and just moved them upstairs uh, where the sun was. This is where the problems arise because it's very, very cold. Where where there's you know there's the thin windows. We don't have double pane glass or not. We don't have a nice house like that. So it's just that kind of like greenhouse lighting for my plants and in the area that they were mm-hmm. um, and they got really cold. Uh, so on that front, people told me to do a heater. Now, guess what kind of heater they said to use? Not a electric heater, because that will literally dry out your plants. That's a huge tip for anybody that ever goes through a power outage. Go out 20 bucks, dude bought a infrared uh basically an infrared one now what's really cool about the infrared ones is they're literally light so you're not warming up the space to warm up the plant 
you're actually warming up the leaves of the plant to warm up the plant. Mm-hmm. So during this, I didn't post this on the story, but during uh, this whole thing, you know, there's a lot of stress going on. But during this whole thing, the most interesting thing I saw was the first day they were up and they were all praying towards the windows. Now, when I got the heater there for the night, they all started praying towards the heater. It's not because it was still light outside. It wasn't because of that. I believe it was just because it's like that warmer light. They want that. They mm-hmm. need that warmer infrared heat. Even if it's less efficient, they're going to want it even more because it's actually warming them up. That was kind of my hypothesis on the whole thing. Yeah, that's super interesting. You didn't even tell me that. So that's actually really cool. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... I, that whole thing was like, I think about it. It was just so quick in my brain, like just go through it, do what I can, you know? And like I said, the viewers, shout out to the viewers with all the help that they gave me, because honestly, I would have just left them in the tent. I'm going to be honest. And they would have turned yellow and started to die because for the people that don't know, it takes a plant, especially a small bush about 72 hours. And it will literally just start cannibalizing itself Mm -hmm. because it can't get energy anywhere else it's kind of like a human if you live a human in a cage for seven days they're going to come out and they're just going to be bones you know it's not that they're dead it's that their body has literally started to cannibalize itself 100 percent. that's super interesting if any viewers run into any heat issues you know you have to heat up a space run into any problems like that definitely stick to the eye infrared the biggest tip other than the infrared, uh, this came from my bean. It was don't feed your plants. Don't feed your plants because guess what? Water. Sure. A very low nutrient water. Sure. But what I mean by feeding is keeping it at that normal amount at 3.0, because this is the thing you're feeding them at 3.0 with a perfect, uh, amount of light with mm-hmm. a perfect environment. Well, guess what? Your lights just turned off and the plants are going to notice that within 14 hours because they're they want that you know that's when they're expecting their next feeding right so they're going to notice that and guess what you do they're just going to eat up whatever in that area they're not going to be able to uh, transpire none of that stuff's going to be able to go on i didn't water the whole time through and my plants were still heavy and wet and it's because they didn't get a lot of a uh, lot of light so hell yeah hell yeah really great tips so yeah, Jock, tell me a little bit about your grow. Um, again, on the story, we saw you finally finished your default. So, you know, how many days did that take for you to finally finish it? And how's everything looking right now? Yeah, so um, it took me about, I think, four or five days. To, no, I think it took three, three, four days to do the full default. Um, it went pretty well. I mean, I'm not going to lie, super overwhelming. You know, and you're looking in there and it's just like a jungle, you know, and you're like, where do I start? You try to start one spot then you got another spot like intruding on the spot you're trying to work on. So you got to jump over there to clear up the spot you're trying to work on. And then you kind of just get super flustered. So um, I spoke to I spoke to you about it. I was like, yo, I don't know what to do. And Noah was like, bro, just take off all the larf on the bottom. Just wipe it. And I was like, all right, respect, like respect. Like, you're right, bro. Like, take the nutrients shoot it to the bigger buds it's still got another 30 days from this defo so like it's got the time to transfer the nutrients up higher so i did that cut off all the larf um that eased up the defo a lot it started going a lot quicker when i started just taking off larf then Mm -hmm. yeah you just kind of take off you start kind of more doing uh uh 
a slight pruning on the plant because you instead of taking off the leaf and then the bud, it's like you take off that larf and it takes off all those leaves with it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I you know this kind of is a tip for the more beginner guys out there. Um, I don't think it should be standardized in your SOPs to tear larf off of the bottom unless it's super larfy, and that's yeah, what like, being a beginner. Yeah, like being a beginner, you're going to have that stuff on the bottom where the majority of your buds are on the bottom. So you're going to look at it, uh, uh, you know, this is from experience. You're going to look at it and be like, I don't want to take that off. That's where the majority of my product is coming from. Um, maybe I could put it into a wash or do something like that. And but guys, at the end of the day, the quality of that stuff, and, and this is a big thing. This is what I found through numerous runs. That stuff will never ripen. You will never actually get the true smells of that plant off of those larfy buds. Facts. It's just facts. And anybody I think that tells you about growing, it, they're going to either be taking their top buds way too long just to ripen the bottom ones, or they're taking it down and they're throwing the larf to uh, you know the biomass bin where they're going to make it into dist anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I really think that even me now, when I do more than like a three-week veg, I'm still going to take off larf because that plant's too big. That plant for me, for me, it's going to be way too big and it's going to make a lot more flower sites than I'm even going to need. Mm-hmm. So. 100%. Like there was definitely one pheno that I like barely took any larf off because the larf was just so dense. It was like literal three gram nugs just sitting on the exactly. larf. And I was like, this I can leave, you know, because it's, it's valid. It's like, it's valuable, you know. It's not just some larfy shit, super airy nugs. Just wasn't really gonna smoke nice, you know. So yeah, and then bringing the advanced guys in there when you have something like like this, where you have a quote unquote a larf problem. I mean, these are things that we steer for. These mm-hmm. are things that you look at at the end of a grow and you say, "Well, what was the problem? I had a bunch of larf. Well, how can we mitigate the amount of larf? You know, for the next goal for our grow, how can we mitigate the amount of larf and actually have?" Uh, uh, more profitable product on the backside. So 100%. And then while doing that, uh, the whole depot, I had to get back, lay down in my uh, drain tray, you know, squeeze in between the plants and stuff. So it was, it was rough. Um, Wound up physically. Yeah. Physically it was rough. And then it was really rough when um, I would lay down, found out i pulled out one of the uh drip emitters out of the piping which led to a big leak busted a leak all over your grow yeah yeah so tell me a little bit about not so much about the leak itself but this is the thing you told me is is uh you had some problems after you fixed the leak yeah so basically (laughs) just don't try to fix the leak with gorilla tape is the lesson learned any tape any yeah any <laughs> type of tape it may stop the leak in the now but as soon as that uh pump turns on you are very fucked very fucked. a lot of pressure yeah a lot of pressure yeah um, so just, i mean if yeah if you get if you run into any type of issue pull a drip emitter just change the pipe it takes five minutes yeah. literally five minutes yeah it's really not that. for yeah these guys that, you know, I've seen the Netafim or the Floraflex or any real drip emitter out there, they know, uh, you know, there's that little tool you use to pluck it and that makes that little hole. Yeah. And then you, you know, you like plug it in, right? Big problem I've had too, uh, just for the guys that are getting into the irrigation is that when you continuously put it in and take it out and put it in and take it out, 
you're going to just start leaking. Oh, no, you can't. Once you put it in once. Because you're doing that. Once you put exactly. it in once, it doesn't come out. That's what I wanted to tell people is that like, if you are going to take it out, you're probably going to have a leak. No, this is what happened. So I, I busted one of them. The first one was leaking. And I was like, hmm. I don't know if it's because the pipe was fucked or if it was the drip emitter. So I pulled another one out on another mm. side to see if it would do the same thing. And then I tried to put it back in. Started leaking like a motherfucker. So then I had to replace two sides of my manifold instead of just one. So That's unfortunate. Yeah. So That's if you run into an issue, just replace one just side. Just replace it. Yeah. And yeah. literally the the... The thing to pop the holes, like Noah was talking about for the in the, in the pipes for the drip emitters, so literally like dollar sixty cents, something stupid. Mm-hmm. Literally go to Home Depot, mm-hmm. they sell them. Shit's stupid cheap. You don't yeah, buy a ten dollar one. You don't need to buy a ten dollar one on Amazon. Yeah, shit's super cheap. <laughs> you don't need the tool, right? Yeah, you don't no. need the actual like branded tool. It's it's literally like they make them in the farming section. It is in, literally in the Home size Depot. of a carb cap. After you, after all this happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing, or actually, let me just ask, right? Did you have big drybacks on your plants? Um, yeah, I had one big dryback, and then, um, I the biggest issue that I found was that I just drained my res, just complete waste of water, like complete wasted, like probably nutrients. 40 gallons of water because yeah yep. it was probably like 40 gallons of water that i wasted so that was my biggest problem but um yeah it was it was so you still the the original thing was like you still you still got the pressure with a leak in yeah the there was still pressure. pressurized area there, there was, was still, still enough pressure, pressure to feed your plants <clears throat> okay yeah just barely enough it didn't do it oh, okay yeah, and then and then I had an issue with my pump not working for like a yeah, day. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Super weird. <laughs> I have no idea. Pump just didn't work one day, and then I like let it sit for a day, and then it worked again. Like I didn't do anything. My thing has like an auto and a manual switch on it, so it like auto. If you put it on auto, it like automatically shuts off when there's not enough water for the pump to run put on manual mm-hmm. it'll just run like a mondi basically like no stop exactly so you mm-hmm. gotta like manually it- stop the pump if when you're done so i have been on auto so i just like flip that switch like a bunch of times yeah and then let it sit i think it's uh it just has a float valve in it so when the float valve goes down, it's like an emergency shutoff kind mm-hmm. of sort of thing. I know a lot of them are, are like that now. I you know, I always recommend to people Mondi's because every time I hear somebody with a Mondi, their Mondi is never broken. You know, yeah. and the people that say this is a big thing, uh, kind of to your point, a lot of people that say their Mondi breaks, they're actually throwing it away prematurely. A lot of the times, either you need to clean your freaking pump or you just need to wait. And I know it sounds weird. I don't know what it is with pumps. My Mondi ran dry for 12 hours <laughs> and it stopped working, right? Just just kind of like yours. Uh-huh. And then I let it sit for a three or four days. I had two Mondis, so I just switched the Mondi out. But I let it sit for like two or three days and I was about to throw it away. But I was like, $100 investment. I'm going to go try it again. Try it again. It's pumping. It's pumping again. Same, same everything, right? Same uh-huh. PSI, same everything. And it's like, what the heck? You know, I don't know if it's because... 
you just ran it so dry that it's like something has to lubricate itself again just so it just needs a reset you know it just needs like a hardware reset just like chill Mm -hmm. just let it chill out let everything do its own thing i mean yeah exactly so i mean lastly i I asked about big drybacks because uh the last thing we're talking about i think it was this morning you posted a picture um i think it was last night but yeah last night that's right i saw it this morning i'm sorry but the uh your stems are starting to purple but more than that everything's starting to look a little bit riper it's looking like oh, yeah. it's coming to the end of a beautiful growth so oh tell yeah me a little bit about how everything's ripening what you're doing to uh for your environment to to help the ripen it yeah so i mean that was the first video that did that grow like any type of justice uh finally got mm-hmm. to show the viewers like a little bit of what it looks like my light's just way too intense for the camera but yeah so they are starting to ripen all the white hairs are slowly starting to turn orange um mm-hmm. it's looking super nice um i've gotten my dehue to start working properly a little bit more you know it's a little bit more consistent now i'm keeping like between like a 59 to like a 69 percent humidity with like a 79 to like an 82 83 degrees fahrenheit okay so i'm keeping it at like a 1.0 1.05 vpd right now um okay definitely not ideal for a flower it could definitely go a lot higher but i just don't have the dehue capacity yeah i mean that's I, my I was issue about to say one of the big things i think that made your dehue work was finishing off that defoliation you know now yeah. all your plants can't transpire as much you're not technically going to drink as much but, mm-hmm. you know you're going to have less uh water in the air 100 percent 100 percent. so but i you know the the whole dehue thing for a lot of people out there is that uh environment what i'm trying to say basically is the environment is people's uh yield determining factor a lot of the times mm-hmm. 100%. especially when you have dehues and things like that like stuff breaks stuff stops working and there's a, unless you're like building your own dehumidifier like you don't know what the heck's happening yeah you know what i'm saying like it's still running (laughs) yeah so yeah but that i think for our more advanced guys out there uh they're listening to this they're they're like hitting their head against the table because this all has something to do with absolute humidity something we haven't got too far into but it has to do with the absolute humidity number it's about how much water is actually in the air uh how much the dehue can actually take out and a big thing about that is that that's why we've said this before on the show. That's why there's Andin dehues that are $1,900 for a 112 pint per day. Mm-hmm. It's a small dehumidifier for 1900 And you know why it is? It's because they can still take water out of the air in, in crazy high humidity environments. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking to get into one of those myself <laughs> soon, hopefully that's in maybe the next episode yeah hopefully honestly that would be that'd be ideal but um honestly yeah my stems turning purple um they're like half purple half green so i know you were trying to you were telling me earlier like you know when when the purple is lower on the stem it's a potassium deficiency so you want to tell the viewers a little bit more about that because i'm pretty curious too yeah, so um, this is something Brandon Rust has done a lot of, uh, in, uh, what is it, experiments and stuff with this. But to make it short, right, it's like basically purpling 
on your plant other than where it's supposed to be purple, you know, the ripening sections, you know, your leaves or your buds is a sign of stress, right? Um, and that stress isn't always good. The argument of that is, is when we're in late flower and we're actually trying to put stress on the plant to get them terpenes to pop out. But the idea for a lot of people in these experiments has been a potassium toxicity. Um, and a lot of times, especially on organic crops that I see, it's more from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. So if you're working from the top down, this is stress from light and stress from the flowers. So that means like your flowers are getting stressed out. So it's coming purple down, right? Mm-hmm. When we're talking about purple up from say the root zone, we might have a problem in our root zone. So again, to the growers out there, trace where this stuff is coming from. Cause even doing that, it can, it can tell you a lot. Like, uh, one of the big things I learned was a mobile versus mobile nutrients mm-hmm. guys go check that out. Um, and, and that will teach you a, a lot about where your nutrients actually are. What is this toxicity you're seeing? This deficiency you're seeing what's happening, you know, and 100%. this is something that they're going into with, uh, potassium and stuff now too. So definitely. Well, from your little, little spiel about it, I can definitely tell you <laughs> that, uh, my purple is coming from the top down, not from the bottom up. Yep. 100%. Because if you look. And then we're lower. looking at purple stems for, for other than that, right? It's, <clears throat> it's again, if you're after day 40, I wouldn't worry. There is genetic expression. Yeah. But before day 40, I don't know. This is the thing. It's right now people don't know the experiments are still ongoing and it's all in organic settings. There are a lot of people arguing right now that there's like nutrients out there that are just made for your plant to actually look healthy, but it's not actually the healthy thing for the genetic. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's, that's an argument. Like some of this purpling could just be genetic expression that the plant's actually supposed to be showing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. different ways to think about it. Well, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about you finishing up the new setup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I finally, I've, we've been talking about this for two months now. I'm yeah. not finishing up this facts. It for a long time for me, it was argue the argument in my brain was like, I just like build on or just go all out. Right. So I'm, I'm finally just going all out into a very tiny setup because I don't feel like I can do any more for the time being until I actually want to upgrade and go further, but I'm just going to do a two by two for my veg two by four for my flower. I know people have heard us a lot of stuff, but this is the stuff I'm doing. I'm rooting and I'm doing, um, and a little bit bigger than that, I'm going to be doing the environmental box I've talked about on, uh, other episodes. So if you want to hear about that, I know there's an episode, a tent talk just about me literally going into a spiel about this whole box setup. Um, but basically it's just a box that connects to my two by four to give it more, uh, cubic space so mm-hmm. that I can more easily, uh, switch the environment up. And then the two by two is going to be, uh, basically inputting from that warm air uh so that it won't throw off the area that much if you get what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. it you know it's uh i am going to be doing a lot of videos on this i've been thinking about trying to uh put a nice more you know not long form video make it cool for instagram but kind of have something that walks people through this is what i'm doing give people ideas because everything that i do in my grow has been from ideas from other people you know, these are not, I'm not, you know, I'm creative as hell when it comes to my, my grow, but a lot of times I need to be like, I'm going to grab 
You need some inspiration. inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm going to get these five spots of inspiration. I'm going to bring them all together and I'm going to make them, yeah, make them my, my situation. A little sprinkle of each one on, sprinkle each one in your own little way. Exactly. But, um, exactly. You were talking to me earlier. <clears throat> Ran to the grow store today. Pick up some, some stuff for the grow. Met a cool homie at the store. His name is Bones. Why don't you, uh, Tell us a little bit about that. He gave you a little bit of an insight about why your flower smells a little mm-hmm. different. So yes. Yeah, so uh, shout out to the shout out to the guy Bones. Um, he works at a local uh, hydro store. Shout out Hydro Capital. But you know he's just talking to me for like an hour and a half. Man, just super cool guy. Uh, talking about growing. He's been in the grow game since the nineties. Uh, so very very knowledgeable. And what I really like about him is he wasn't like. Uh, stuck up in his ways he's changing he's trying athena he's doing all this new stuff and he's an older guy trying all this new stuff to stay with the new crew right mm-hmm. um one thing he's ran through thousands of times i'm not gonna say thousands but a bunch he said is people grow in their basements in michigan you know everybody has a basement here so everybody's now it's this utility basement well what are we gonna do with it now we're gonna grow some weed right um everybody does that and they're normally their laundry machine is in their basement so there's a lot of bud in Michigan that smells like detergent or laundry soap or the softener, like the laundry softener stuff. And <laughs> some people, he was joking, like some people call it the the detergent terp, right? And I was, you know, I laughed, <laughs> but it, but for real, I I did my rosin, and when I was washing, it's like this stuff smells like detergent. Well, you yeah. know, and he tells me he's like it's because literally the smell of your buds will uptake the smell of what's around it. So since I'm in a basement by my laundry machine, you know, we use the laundry machine once a week. Guess what smell is lingering around this whole room? It's the laundry smell. Yeah. So, so I am now doing a bunch of pre-filters, not a bunch, two, you know, for the whole setup. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully they're going to be carbon filters and hopefully that's going to mitigate those type of smells coming in. Um, people have said to do air purifiers and stuff like that. I think carbon filters, they get rid of smells. And I think for my setup, it's the cheapest way to go Yeah, so for my situation and the best and the most like efficient. Right. So, because I only want to get rid of smell. I don't need to get, I don't want to get rid of like CO2 and all this other stuff. I just want to get rid of the smell. Mm-hmm. 100%. So yeah, I'm, I'm now I'm doing three filters, two pre filters and then one aft filter just so I can, uh, the room's the not going to smell yeah. like weed, mm-hmm. but the buds will have fresh air as well. 100%. So fresh 100%. Yeah. But that's as simple as that. I mean, that's, that's about all I got to say for today. All right. I mean, yeah, same here, Noah. Well, I mean, <laughs> growing love. So thank you to all that made it to this point, you know. Thank you for listening to our weekly checkup on our grows. Um, Guys, grower love, you know, um, today was a little bit weird. We did a little bit, you know, question our grows and stuff. We tried to do a little bit, switch back and forth. Um, let us know how you guys like it, you know, uh, grow love to all you guys. I mean, I, I didn't even know, you know, we've been doing this for six months and how much support I got when I had a power outage was insane. So big shout out to you guys today. Um, you know, shout out the THC tutors, Instagram page, everybody that's been engaging, liking, sharing, you know, all that different type of stuff. We even had a repost come up uh, recently. So, you know, shout out to all you guys. Thank you so much. Couldn't have said any better, Noah. Well, we got a deep dive coming up real soon. 
uh, yes, we about do. like, what is it, week or two? It should be. Hopefully, it'll be up this week. Um, you know, seeing on how everything's going, but if it's all edited and everything, it should be up by this week. So, hell yeah, grow or love, guys. Peace. <laughs>